Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Super excited to be here on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are focused on telling you the real dirt of the cannabis and hemp industry from the eyes of the change makers and entrepreneurs who are pushing this incredible industry forward. If you're a person looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for our favorite picks. And if you are a budding entrepreneur or established business owner trying to break through the brick walls and glass ceilings of the industry, have no fear. We are here to help you. Check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for all of our resources, relationships, tips, tricks, and tools to solve the biggest challenges in the industry like merchant processing, manufacturing, stabilized supply chain, uh, marketing and advertising that won't get you shut down, and uh, many, many others. I um, have been a part of this industry for many, many years and have watched it go through extreme highs and extreme lows. So we are happy to support you in creating the change that you want to see in the world through the work that you are doing. Guess what, guys? As per usual in listening to this show, we are committed to telling the truth about cannabis and hemp through the eyes of the entrepreneurs who are pushing this incredible industry forward. And today, my guest is the founder and CEO of Avant Garde Holdings American Inc., America's Inc. He is also a healthcare executive and founder of Exec Team LLC, a consulting firm that's focused on helping private medical businesses improve operations through processes of efficiencies and executive management coaching. With extensive experience in clinical operations, academic medical business administration, business and strategic planning, and data analytics for decision-making, he was inspired to examine the benefits of cannabidiol or CBD as an alternative to opioid therapy and subsequent addiction. Such a necessary component in this industry. And I was actually talking to um, a gas station attendant last night as he was surrounded in CBD and Kratom. And he was explaining to me that many of the people that he recognizes in his communities as being a victim to the opioid crisis has been coming into his gas station and purchasing Kratom and CBD from the gas station. So I thought that that was super uplifting. And it is a perfect segue to, to talk about the Work that our guest Robert has, who has had, uh, who has been heavily involved in the startup community in South Florida and beyond, having co-founded the first digital health tech seed accelerator in Florida back in 2013, which is called Project Lift. Here to share his story and all of the incredible works and accomplishments that he has had and been a part of in this inc- in this space. Put your hands together and help me welcome our good friend, Robert Chavez. What's going on, Robert? Hey, Sonia. Where have you been all my life? That intro about you could have been useful a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm here to just tell the truth to the people. Um, Why don't you quick and dirty share a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and how you got into this crazy can of boom. Sure. Uh, my background is, is really primarily in healthcare space. So that's the approach that I came into this industry with. Uh, but I've been in this industry now for uh, going on five, four or five years, uh, really heavily for about four years, where I pretty much dedicated my entire life to it. Um, and it really becomes your entire life, you know, dragging along my family and, <laughs> and my wife and kids, especially. Uh, <laughs> but uh, of which I have five. I have five kids. And they Holy all smokes, I have four. Ah, great. So you know what I mean. Yes. Um, but I, I started in healthcare, uh, you know, back in, in 2000 after graduating college and then got into the business side of it when I decided not to go to med school. I did a variety of things from graduate medical education, to patient safety work, 
which uh, included work with uh, Jeb Bush and his administration when he was governor of, of Florida, which gave me a little taste of, of politics and, you know, how we can affect laws in order to make things, uh, you know, correct wrongs. Because like I like to say, there's right and wrong and there's legal and illegal and they don't always coincide, um, you know, and that's the mission that we're on. Um, but subsequently, I got into operations and by the time I left uh, the University of Miami, I was the executive director of business planning and market intel. So, you know, I have a really strong background in strategic thinking, business planning, uh, market development. And I really brought those lessons along with me when I left academic medicine into the private sector. I left there to take on a CEO of a group of interventional pain clinics where I was immediately hit in the face with the aftermath of the opioid epidemic or the crisis here in Florida, which is where it started, right? Yeah. Um, the state, in its infinite wisdom, when they shut down the pill mills, had no plan for how to handle the patients. And they were all funneled to these specialty clinics. So I walked in and saw a waiting room full of people waiting for pills. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this after I had already gone through some personal family experiences with addiction to opioids because of chronic pain, you know, pain management issues. And, you know, we said enough is enough. So I, I asked the doctors to consider what alternatives we could provide to the patients because just enabling them and continuing to fill prescriptions was not the answer. And so we started looking into medical marijuana before Amendment 2 passed in Florida. And it was, you know, having had experience in politics in Florida, it was a, not the most appealing way to go. So we started looking into CBD products and it took about a year to find one that I was comfortable bringing into the practice and into the clinics and putting at risk the business and the doctor's licenses, right? Because it's a bit of a conundrum. You have the doctors that, whose licenses are, are controlled by the DEA mm -hmm. and then you have this industry, right? Yeah. So they're not always, uh, it's not the best combination. So I, I needed a product that we could count on. I mean, at the time, back in 2015, we had, you know, kids coming into the waiting room with, you know, you know, supermarket bags, just dropping product off and, you know, sending it out and looking at it. It was just not good. I basically said, stop taking anything in here because we're going to get the doors kicked in. And so it took actually a journey to Hong Kong where I met a gentleman from Vancouver, Canada to tell me that there was a, a company close to me back here in Miami that was being made by, uh, you know, a legitimate person, uh, a pharmacist. And so he came back from Hong Kong. He flew down to Miami, sure enough, and he introduced me to the team. And I actually ended up carrying the product. Now, I was surprised, and we all were with the doctors, at the results that we saw. You know, we started weaning people off benzos and, and opioids and in some instances got them completely off and it was just eye-opening so we started trying to understand well, how is this working and plus they were reporting a bunch of other good side effects they were sleeping better there all these these things happening and so we started learning about the endocannabinoid system etc so, so I love did you guys start um sort of unexpectedly or inadvertently because you sort of had this like informal clinical trial where many of the people that was being served opioids were now being transitioned into CBD and you guys were recording um, <laughs> the, the effects or the positive outcomes from all of that? Well, in their medical records, we were definitely recording the decrease in medications that were being prescribed. Uh-huh. You know, the, the progress, their medical progress. Um, so it wasn't directly even organized as what you could consider informal research, but it was just tracking the patient's progress, right? Yeah. And so, um, but we started seeing correlations and, and it was just, you know, something that, that inspired me enough to leave that private practice and see the opportunities outside to help other clinics. And that's when I started exec team. But quickly after that, the company whose product I was carrying called me and asked me to come and help them develop a product that would be carried in clinics because that didn't exist at the time. Yeah. And so I did that. And within three months, we had reskinned and, and reimagined their product line to have an offering for doctors that was going to be offered exclusively to doctors. And we did. And within, you know, three months after that, we were in a thousand clinics in all 50 states. Yeah. You know? And so, it was a, a 
a huge success right away. But I also quickly saw the uh, the ugly side of this industry. You know, the 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 dirty things that you've probably talked about on this show. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the issues with banking and the issues with money and with clean product and with everything else that that we've experienced over the past, you know, uh, four or five years since the 2014 uh, farm bill. And so, um, you know, ultimately I separated from that group, but, but I was hooked, you know, it was in my entire career in healthcare. I've never, ever experienced a patient with real gratitude. You know, I, yeah, I would, I would, you know, get things that were escalated and it was complaints about a, a huge bill or a doctor this or whatever, but I never had somebody come and say, thank you. You've, you've given me hope again. Thank you for uh, giving me my life back. Uh, or mothers, thank you for saving my child. Or even family members of deceased patients saying, thank you for letting my family member die in dignity. Yeah. You know, thank you for improving their quality of life on their last days. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing. You know, that was just something that really inspired me to, to turn my life's purpose into, into this. And so I started, um, you know, I, from learning all the things that I saw, uh, I knew what I didn't want to do. And I knew that I could apply a lot of my experience from, from healthcare in order to um, organize something that could have a real impact and bring about real change while creating and establishing a new industry where you're up against big pharma and big medicine, right? Yeah. So I understood it from all sides of the table. I mean, and I'll tell you all sides from, um, you know, like you said, we'll get raw from battling addiction myself to, to um, you know, being a decision maker in a top 50 academic research institution to, you know, uh, political, uh, public health work, et cetera, you name it. I've seen it from all sides. So my perspective is, uh, is fairly unique, I would say, but it also has, uh, has afforded me the opportunity to think differently, right? So come yeah. up with different ideas on, on how to solve problems. And that's come in really handy in this industry, because as you know, what was not a problem today is the problem tomorrow. And what was a problem yesterday is no longer a problem today. And it, it just is this constant, constant puzzle. And people look at you like you're crazy and they say, oh, why don't you just try this? Or why don't you just try that? Like, why don't you just go open a bank account? Or why don't you just get some paid Facebook ads? And every single step of the way is a giant mountain, you know? Let's talk about some of those for a second. And I and we've had our fair share of discussions around, you know, the challenges with banking and the challenges with merchant processing and the things that feel most normal for a business owner to incorporate into their business to even be able to, you know, re- take payment or render a service. Um, you know, simple, bare bones, basic foundational necessities are pretty restrictive in the cannabis industry, including, you know, the financial aspect of it. Um, the marketing aspect, uh, and certainly the relationship building, because honestly, just the integrity of people in this space, there's a lot of like talk with very little delivery. And, you know, being somebody who is a service provider and a consultant in this space, like I'm never going to claim to be perfect. There's been plenty of occasions. Um, you know, there's been a handful, I should say a handful of occasions where I have not been able to deliver on a promise. And however, my integrity challenges me to continue pushing and sticking with that person um, without requiring further payment until a situation is made right, you know? And I think, um, I think that at the same time, I have 10 times the positive results than I do the faux pas in the industry. However, I've seen so many folks fall victim to the lack of integrity of the entrepreneurs who are in this space, which is really, really challenging for me. And in a moment, I want to hear you weigh in on this. Um, It's really challenging for me because right now, even if we are three to five years into this space, it's a little longer, but, you know, actively and and hyper public exposure of CBD and the industry's growth has really experienced hockey stick type um, growth in the last three, maybe five years max. Um, However, 
as a self-governing industry, it's very, very challenging to hold each other accountable to a certain level of operation or a certain standard in which we should or could be operating um, to showcase our level of professionalism and capability to push ourselves into the future. For you, as a business owner and as a consultant and somebody who's working on strategy and, you know, systems and processes for, um, you know, brands in this industry, what are some of the like key challenges that you have come across um, as both an entrepreneur and as a consultant that make your teeth cringe, you know, as we are maturing as an industry? I would say the lack of integrity and greed. I mean, the, those two, and, and I think you would find, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that would disagree that has integrity and that isn't greedy in this industry because all the ones that are, they won't admit it, right? Yeah. But, um, but you know, I was, I was shocked. I mean, like I said, I come from, from a place where integrity is, is it, you know? I mean, I, in colleges, kids get kicked out of school for copying on a paper or cheating on a test. Yeah. And, you know, and that was my life was academic medicine. Um, and, and to come out into, you know, into the, the real world and then into this industry and see that people are willing to just put any label on anything and, and sell it off as something that um, basically playing on people's vulnerabilities when they're the most vulnerable, when they're desperate and have no other hope. Right. Yeah. That, that has been one of the hardest pills to swallow. And it's what's presented the most business challenges too, because I will not waver. I'm not going to bend on the way we do things because that's the way to make money. Yeah. It's, that's not what this is about, you know? And so, but most people will, and, and they do in this industry, you know, they'll, they'll see a spray. So we have a spray product so that's water soluble. It's got all technology in it, whatever. And it's more bioavailable and, Etc. So it's it's more effective, but other people see a spray selling, they'll just put their same product in a spray bottle and say, "Oh, we have a spray now too," and it has all this nano this and nano that, and and they'll just market it to hell, and then create at, at the very least they create confusion in the marketplace so people don't know what to take, and then when that happens, people shop for price, and then the people that don't put any real product in their product anyway can drop the price. And it's a, just a losing proposition, proposition that at the end of the day, the end consumers are the ones that are, are paying the price, you know, and never mind all of the, the startups with integrity that can't survive that. You know, we've been very fortunate that we've made it. And, you know, it feels like, you know, we're the pilgrims making it through another winter, you know, <laughs> um, but it is, it's like Jamestown, you know, we, we come and, and, and it's like, all right, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. But we don't waver on our integrity and on doing the right thing, you know, um, because that I, I see too much of that. And I think that it's horrendous that, that people are playing on, on, on others and really they're just exploiting them. You know, at the end of the day, let's just be real. They're exploiting people when they're the most desperate and, and it's just kind of disgusting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I recognize uh, I recognize that happening quite a bit in the industry. And I also um, work quite a bit with companies who are both in the startup and in the revamp stage of their businesses. Perhaps, you know, they're confronted with an opportunity where they need to grow, expand, or fix some of the things that they have in place so that they can grow and expand. Um, I'm also working with brand new startups. And a lot of what we're talking about right now to overcome the challenges of marketing is, is leveraging content content and consistent content creation in order to be known and recognized for the things that, you know, make you great. And there's only so many times that you can mention the efficacy of a product, you know, where it's sourced from and this and that and so on and so forth. By the way, huge point of frustration for me because I'm like, you fuckers don't even ask these kinds of questions for food. Like, what the fuck do you care where <laughs> your CBD came from? Have you asked the question where your Tyson chicken has come from recently? Like, no one asks questions like this about their food. Very few people are reading their nutritional facts. However, they will not take a CBD product that is not from the underbelly of a virgin goat that's been blessed by God himself. It is the funniest thing in the world to me. I'm all about it. And at the same time, 
time, it's hilarious. Like, I think we need to start carrying over some of these concerns and questions into the food and water <laughs> conversations because, right? because CBD is like, it's just one ingredient. You're going to find it in your non-organic GMO fucking wheat crackers too, bro. So <laughs> well, I asked, I asked somebody recently, I said, you know, we were talking about the, the COAs for the product that was run and there yeah. was one that, that was questionable and we will always rerun if it comes back out of range we will rerun it at our cost. I mean, that's uh-huh. part of, part of integrity, right? Like you said, yeah, yeah. There's hiccups, you got to fix them and that's it. Nobody is perfect. And you know, the integrity is measured when the problem happens, how you move forward from it and how you solve it, you know? Uh-huh. And so, um, <laughs> challenging me on it. And I said, let me ask you, have you ever opened a bottle of Tylenol and sent it off to a lab to see if it actually has the amount of milligrams per capsule or per tablet that you think it has. Yeah. Dead silence, crickets, right? It's like nobody fucking checks any of that stuff. Nobody checks any of it. But why? Because the industry is established and it's trusted and it's expected, right? In this industry, what we have is also part of the, the, the underlying battle going on is the, the war of misinformation, right? Yeah. and the stuff, let's not beat around the bush again. Like I said, big pharma putting a bunch of fake product on Amazon over the summer. You know, I mean, they can say it's not them. I'm assuming, right? But it's a pretty safe damn assumption. <laughs> they put on all this stuff. Suddenly Amazon's open up to selling it. What? Where did that come from? Right? And suddenly yeah. they're everywhere. And, you know, you get 75,000 milligrams in this you know, 30 ml bottle for $9.99. And, you know, we look at each other, we're like, what the fuck? Does anybody know what 75,000 milligrams of CBD looks like? You know, <laughs> that it would never even fit in a 30 ml bottle. You'd need like a freaking mason jar. You know, it's like, it, it's just so ridiculous. And then, but then people buy it, right? Because now they're buying on price because there's enough confusion out there, like I said before. Mm-hmm. So they buy it because it's the cheapest one and it's the strongest one. So it's the best one, right? Because that's how we are. That's how we have to, to make decisions. And then it doesn't work. So I'll never try it again because I tried the strongest, best one. They forget what they paid for it. But now I have to go back to my drugs. You know, nothing else works. I have to go back to my doctor and get my damn freaking oxys. Why? You know? Or the people dying from vapes um, that were laced. You think I would lace my own pens and kill my own customers? You know, yeah. it's just ridiculous, right? But then these people can actually walk into a politician's office and say, you know, Mr. Senator, are you really going to let this happen in your state? Or, you know, you should put a moratorium on this until you can further investigate. Well, what the fuck happens then? You just killed every freaking vape shop in the state, you know? Yeah. And Which- so... It's these games that, um, you know, that, that we're up against, though. That's what we're up against. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, obviously, it's not an ideal situation. However, a lot of good is, is still happening. And there are, you know, yes. there are companies who are making an incredible change and in creating opportunities for other op- entrepreneurs to incubate their companies um, and contributing to their success. So, you know. Talk to me a little bit about the different facets of your business and the roles that you play in the industry being successful. You're, you know, you're obviously involved with, you know, touching and feeling and, and, and utilizing the product and seeing the positive effects there all the way through to creating organizations with, where people can be participatory. Um, so why don't you talk to, little, talk to me a little bit about, you know, the different ways that a company can work with you or what are the different things that you guys are offering as an organization? Um, and then I want to piggyback and, and ask the reason why, uh, I think in this, in, in this type of conversation, it's easy to, you know, talk about how great and amazing everything is, but what I'm recognizing from my listeners and from a lot of the consumers, whether they're business owners or not, they're very curious to, they're always asking this question. Wow. That's so cool that this company or this guy is doing this. My question is why? So I'd love to hear from you. Like, what are the different facets of your business? How are you helping people and the industry grow? And more importantly, why What's the bigger mission that you're working to accomplish? Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for switching us from the doom and gloom 
some more positive conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, obviously, I mean, all the stuff we've been talking about is part of what we deal with. But there's a hell of a lot more positive and good um, or, or I wouldn't be doing it, you know, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like I said, I have a family to worry about. I have, you know, uh, aspirations to, to, to really help people. And if I didn't think that this was the best way, I wouldn't be here still. Um, with that said, you know, we, we launched, well, initially because of all the, the financial stuff and, and the, the banking regulation and all that, we really kind of started as, as connectors, right. To, to start rethinking how these products were made and, and why they were made, like you said, what, like what, why this product and not the other. So the product selection and, and understanding the science and all of that. So um, we started with that before we really kicked off our first products. It took us about probably six months before we introduced a product, um, which slowly turned into a product line, which then evolved into two product lines. And I'll talk about that in a second. But really, my goal was from the very beginning to make the product to help as many people as possible, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, I knew that I needed to get the cost down of the active ingredient because accessibility came at a price point. Mm-hmm. And the only way I could get the price point down was to get the active ingredient down. Um, and then I, also through experience learning that the active ingredient you couldn't just get from anywhere at that time. There was, you know, there was enough bad stuff going around that you could easily be duped into getting something that wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, and so it took that first year I took, I traveled so much that I visited 150 cities in 365 days. Wow. Um, all across the U S internationally, um, <clears throat> really establishing relationships right down to the farmers, to the owners of some of the oldest companies in the industry. So that when the going got tough that year that we had that big drought and there was a big shortage of product and people started paying, you know, $25,000, $40,000 for a kilo, <laughs> I, had pro- I had protected my, my needs um, because I had established really good relationships with really good people. Because like you said, there are a lot of really good people in this industry. Mm-hmm. They're just hard to find. But once we start finding each other, we connect each other as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so... I, the the next way to get get this to be more accessible and control the cost was to make it more bioavailable. You know, meaning how much of the active ingredient actually makes it into your circulatory system throughout your body to have an effect and, and the, the impact that you need, right? And so we started looking at different delivery systems. Um, you know, so that's how we came up with the the tincture came about really because it's what everybody knew, right? So we needed something that would be familiar. Then we moved to the water-soluble spray with nanotechnology because it was more bioavailable. And being water-soluble, your body absorbs um, water different than, than lipids or fats, which is the oils, right? And so that increases bioavailability. Um, and then the vape, which is inhaled, obviously, and through the lungs, it goes straight into the bloodstream. So being the fastest way that, that you could get these cannabinoids. And so then we've moved into topicals, et cetera. But we started with a full spectrum line that then, um, you know, we were presented with an opportunity to become the sponsors of the National Women's Hockey League. And that put us as the first company to sponsor a professional league in the U.S. And so we jumped on it. And through conversations with the commissioners of of hockey and the um, officials at WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, there was a lot of concern about the products coming back testing positive for any other cannabinoid than CBD because that's the only cannabinoid that WADA has taken off their anti-doping list and affecting the players because every single player on the USA Women's Olympic Gold Team plays in the National Women's Hockey League. And so finally we ended up settling on we will do a CBD-only line and that's how Veda Sport was born. And so we you know, started the sport line, which was basically replicating the original line but made with CBD-only. Um, and so then we ended up now with the two lines that we've got. Um, but we knew that in order to get it into as many hands as possible around the world, we couldn't become a brand company. We had to facilitate production of these products for many other brands or even existing brands of other products that wanted an enhanced product or that wanted to have an additive or or anything like that. 
And so that's how it kind of evolved. We do have some white label clients that um, I won't disclose, but you know, that it really the goal is still and the mission to get this into as many hands as possible around the world. I have a real um, theory based on my background in, in big data analytics and, and looking at trends in healthcare that when this plant was outlawed almost 100 years ago, we saw an increase in neurological disease, mm-hmm. Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, all these things that we have, right? When we were kids, there was no kid had autism or ADHD hardly, right? There was a rowdy kid in the class, but what the fuck, you know? Not, yeah. not all these kids were medicated and they got, you got your ass whooped. That's what I remember, you know? Um, but then now we see it like every kid in the class. And or all of our grandparents have Parkinson's. And but this didn't used to happen. My great grandmother didn't have anything. She lived to be 96, you know? But yeah. this was in part of the food chain. So I have a, a theory that if we can reestablish hemp into the food chain naturally, that we can see over time a decrease in neurological diseases that came about after the outlaw. And and I I believe that to be very real. You know, knowing the neuroprotective properties and the limited science that's available right now. I really believe in that. And so the vision for our company is to reestablish hemp into the food chain naturally, where there will always be a need for supplements. You know, think of vitamin C. You can have an orange for for breakfast or a grapefruit with a glass of orange juice and still take your vitamin C supplement. You know, Mm -hmm. so same thing. Now you could have eggs with a toast with butter, a glass of milk and still take your CBD supplement. But if it's in the food chain, it's already in all that food you just ate. You know, and over time we replenish our body um, just because there there would be no reason for us to have all of these receptors throughout our body if there was not a need for that plant to coexist with us. Yeah, totally. That's the truth. You know, we, we would still be walking around with tails. Evolution has proven that the human body is the most efficient machine ever. And if it doesn't need it, it's going to get rid of it. So... You know, the fact that they pair up so nicely and so well in so many parts of the body and it has so many properties that benefit us, there's no question in my mind, you know? And so that's our mission really is to get this into as many hands as possible with quality products that have what they say they have so that they can help people, you know, be balanced again, you know, talking about balance, you know, mental health, all these things that come about when our body's out of sync and out of whack. Totally. I love it. I was, you know, um, I had looked at your guys's product and company about a year ago. Um, and you know, at the time we were talking a lot about social media and how to build the engagement and make sure that there was more people able to get exposure to the unique things that you guys are doing. You guys are an incredible, you know, team. I think there's three of you, right? Three or four of you. Um, the, t- the, the key partner team was about 12 of us. The founding no, team was like key partners. That's what I mean. Oh yeah. That are operational. Um, yeah. like they're directly leading. Yeah. Yeah. There's four, four of us. Yeah. I spoke to the lovely woman. I can't Taryn. remember her. Taryn Burke. Taryn. Ah! Love her, by the way. She's my spirit animal. Love Taryn. Um, anyways, I was talking to her a while back and recognizing one thing. And and this is something that I want to ask you about because um, I have been working in social media and where most people have been really struggling with leveraging social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook, certainly Facebook, um, in order to build audience recognition and or in order to build like that consumer community and have sort of of a built-in traffic system for your for your guys' products and offers. Um, I've been doing a ton of research. We've been crushing it through Instagram and other social media channels. And most of the folks that I know in this space have not been able to effectively or quickly grow their, their um, following on any of these platforms. And when they start to do what feels natural to them, like marketing or advertising or you know promotions to the group, they get shut down. And so everything feels pretty risky. One of the things I loved about your guys's social media was that every image that's on there clearly expresses your guys's brand, who your target market is. It's very clearly communicated that who you're working with and what problem you're solving with what products. Um, however, 
even somebody who like yourselves who are investing, you know, time and money into the imagery and messaging that is connected to your platform, there's, you know, we're still seeing minimal growth in the following. Although I know that that because of my own research, that that's not necessarily a reflection of your revenue. It's only a reflection of the reach. Um, So my question for you guys is knowing the challenges that are, that you're faced with as a company and that we're moving into a landscape of the industry here in 2020, as we're maturing, the industry is going, you know, at the tail end of it's of another cleansing right now. And, you know, in, order to stay relevant, in order to stay rec- to be recognized um, and to continue to grow and scale with the industry and have the consumer buy-in, you have to have the reach and recognition of your brand. How are you guys tackling that or what's your plan to stay you know relevant and become highly recognized when we have you know the big the you know the big conglomerates buying huge traffic you know doing huge traffic buys and things like that what is your guys's plan to overcome and stay um and stay competitive relying on what we know best you know trusting ourselves and each other and that means shifting back facing the medical space you know um, through research with research institutions. Uh, we have a couple of universities now that we're in talks with about doing research on specific diseases, um, you know, leveraging um, our networks that are very extensive globally, actually, to help establish industry in other countries, aligning with trusted uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers and companies in order to penetrate the veterinary space and, uh, you know, just the real medical feel and and the real medical uh, company. Yeah. Because that's who I am at the core, you know, and that's really lacking. And that was lacking years ago when I helped establish, um, you know, the company that I did um, that shall remain unnamed. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, and, and there's a desire there because there's a lack of knowledge in that space as well. You know, I've, I've had meetings with uh, leaders of other nations, you know, which shall also remain unnamed. But these are things that we're actually actively and aggressively pursuing because that's the way to survive, you know, that and also diversifying into other industries that are affected by the plant. So, um, you know, there's a lot to the plant that, that more than than a CBD product, and uh, you know, being hemp revolution is it's everything else that it can affect. Right? There's so many industries yeah. that can be revitalized uh, with this plant. You know, we've been we've done quite a number on our planet over the past hundred years, and you know, I think it's our responsibility uh, as as you know inhabitants of it that we start trying to clean up some of that shit. Yeah. You know, yeah, I totally we we can't do it. You know, we can do it with a with a hemp centered type ecosystem. Um, Yeah. So so those are some of the bigger picture things that we're looking at. And, you know, I mean, we're in talks with some, you know, big, big sports, um, you know, players, not not the players themselves, but organizations. Yeah. Um, you know, big, big healthcare, like I said, big pharma. I, I've always been a proponent of let me be by your side to help solve our mutual problem rather than let me go head to head against you and see who wins. Because yeah. the reality is that there's no way in fucking hell I'm ever going to have anything to put even a dent in them, you know, because we're up against some big people, right? Everybody's afraid of change and everybody's afraid of their wallet being affected. So if you come in as a partner that can help them revitalize their own industry or their own business, it suddenly is a lot more appealing, you know? So that's, that's kind of the approach we're taking and um, in order to stay relevant, you know, it's like, I like to use um, uh, an example from back from grad school of, of how IBM has done this so masterfully throughout the, the decades, right? They started as this big mainframe and they were a computer company. And then they, the, the desktops came out and then they had a big make it or break it moment when they had to decide to introduce a laptop or should we keep selling desktops? But if we introduce laptops, we're going to cannibalize and kill our, our own business. 
And at the time, the leadership wisely enough said, let's kill ourselves. So you have to kill yourself in order to survive, which is the biggest oxymoron and totally counterintuitive to the way our brains are wired, right? And so, but those companies that do that, look at IBM today, the, you know, international business minds, and they're the biggest consulting company in the world, not a computer company. Their computers are called Lenovo, you know? Yeah. And so it's one of those things that we're constantly reimagining um, ourselves, how we operate day to day without compromising on our, on our vision and our mission. Yes. I love that about you guys is the, the level of consistency and dependability and like both imagery, connection, communication, how you guys are, um, how you guys are connecting with your consumer through the folks who are working with them every day. Like, you know, like the medical um, field, for instance, I think that that's such a smart thing to do. And I'm just so excited to continue to watch your guys' growth over the next couple of years. I really always thought that one, your brand would be one that would stick out and, ha- and has done a good job sticking out um, for the long haul. So congratulations on that. What's, what's new for you guys in 2020? What should we be watching out for with Theta? Well, we're going to be introducing a couple of, uh, couple of new products. Um, you know, some that, that seem just fairly mundane, like gummies, but we wanted to do it right. So they're going to be vegan, all natural. Um, you know, we've, we've been exploring now in the capsule space. So we've got a pre-workout product and we'll probably be launching a post-workout to have a whole workout program. Um, the stuff in the sport line is really exciting. You know, like I said, we're looking at aligning with, with some, um, some big names. And actually, I cannot mention it right now, but it will be big news um, if we if finish going down this journey that we have been going down already for some time with these folks, um, you know, and really a shift into the medical space. You know, that's the big directive I gave now. It's, you know, we're in the beginning of the year. We're putting last year behind us and looking ahead and uh, a shift into the medical space the right way, you know, whether it's through the real research um, and, and real products and, you know, working with the VA and and other organizations like that that as partners is going to be important for us and i mentioned the va not because we're working with them but only because to me the biggest underserved and um overly exploited populations in in the world are the military and professional sports athletes you know <laughs> it's once you, you you know you use them up they're a number once they get injured and they're no longer useful you kick them to the freaking curb and you spit on them, you know, and it's, it's, it's again, another disgusting show of, of, uh, how humanity has, has fallen right now. You know, it's like, come on, really? We celebrate the freedoms. We're able to have this freaking podcast because there's men and women dying for us, but then they come back here and we hook them on pills. I mean, it's, that, that's not right. You know? Yeah. So for I me, I, you know, for me, I, I love helping those, those uh, segments in the population, you know, those that, that others don't want to help. Um, and in some cases they can't help themselves. You know, there's, there's a lot of similarities between pro athletes and, and military, you know, the transition yeah. from their, their identity into civilian life is really hard. And a lot of them don't make it, you know, suicide is prevalent in both of those populations. Yeah. And mental health is something that we don't talk about very openly in this country. And I think it, it has to be, I mean, it's what drives a lot of the other diseases, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I, I love to see a lot of the different companies coming out with programs that are quote unquote to serve the military um, uh, demographic. However, most of the initiatives that I see and that get proposed to me on a daily basis, because we have such a, a large um, you know audience of folks who are from quote unquote Middle Earth, right? They're the beautiful Midwestern or Southern families who have sacrificed one of their children to the military and mm-hmm. are now, you know, suffering the consequences of them coming home and needing to be rehabilitated with little to no support. And there's so many resources that we have as an industry to be able to support them. And however, I'm seeing just like mediocre propositions for how we should approach and deal with those things. Um, so for those of you guys who are tuning in, my suggestion is to step your game up because weed is coming in hot and uh, there's well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make a shameless plug we have a foundation that's a 501c3 the fight like me foundation i was just gonna ask you about it 
<laughs> so it's yeah. perfect. Let me let me just ask you about it really quick. Talk to me a little bit about your guys' foundation because I know that you guys have been working on it for quite a while. It was one of the things that I was most excited about when I came in contact with your brand. Um, and I think you guys are really doing it right. So talk to me a little bit about your foundation and how it's helping um, how it, how it's helping the military of, of the United States. So so the Fight Like Me Foundation was born out of uh, you know was inspired by a friend of mine, Francis Haddock, who who recently died of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she put up a good fight, but she didn't make it, unfortunately. And she, uh, you know, she came to me on Father's Day a year and a half ago saying she'd been diagnosed. I helped her, you know, with her medical appointments and, and getting product. And, and uh, ultimately she had, she, she was a trainer to a lot of professional athletes and they wanted to help and she didn't know how to accept their help and this and that. And so, um, that's how it came about and it was going to be fight like Francis. And I said to her, you know, Francis, I did it as fight like me because we all have a fight that we think we are unique and alone in, you know? And if we, more of us come out with whatever that fight is and see that there's support and there's others like us, it helps make it a little bit more bearable, yeah. you know? And so through education and connection, uh, you know, and, and also in order to provide product at no cost to those that cannot afford it. That's, that's really the goal of the foundation, you know? And, um, you know, it's just really, you know, when she passed, it took on a whole new meaning. So I'm working with some professional athletes now. I'm seeing how we reimagine it now that she's passed and and in her honor, um, you know, for those that she loved to help as well. Um, but that's, that's how that came about. And, you know, it's just, it's really important for me that our company gives back, you know, our whole, our slogan of bringing profound change to humanity is, is real. That's how I feel about my purpose in, in, in my life and in what we're doing and doing the right thing, you know? So I think the Fight Like Me Foundation was just a really natural fit to what we're doing. Well, please let me know how I can support you guys in your growth. I'm, I think what you guys are doing are really incredible. I love the alignment of your brand and how consistent you guys are in the imagery. And I think that that's super important for those of you guys who are listening in, that you have to make a decision on what you can or um, you know should be investing into the way that you are building the, you know, imagery around your company and me ensuring that it's, you know, quality and, um, and, has that connectivity element to it while showcasing your product without being too salesy. I know it sounds like a tall order, but it's really, if you put some thought to it, it's easier than it sounds. Um, the second, the, the second thing I'm really interested in working with Veda in is definitely for the fight like me foundation. I'm certainly looking I, you know, I, I represent an incredible, um, community of folks who are consistently looking for brands that they can depend on, and many of which are on Social Security. There's a huge demographic with, you know, the 60 plus people who are on Social Security or disability um, and can't afford quality medicine, and really do get stuck spending, you know, their their minimal cash. Um, you know, that they could or should be spending on groceries trying to find natural alternatives because the pills are, you know, taking away their quality of life in this phase where uh, of life where they should be enjoying it, you know. So I'd love to be able to support the growth of the foundation and anything else I can do with Veda. I love what you guys are doing for the athletic community. I have many friends who, um, you know, have been players on our favorite teams and would just love to continue to support everybody getting connected and being able to see positive results from this incredible plant. What are some final words that you have to share with us? And I'd love for you to share where folks can find you if they're interested in finding out more about what you're doing, where they can pick up your guys' product, um, so on and so forth. Oh, I would say, um, you know, if you're, if you're new in this industry, persistence, 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 and um, you know you'll perseverance, but always doing the right thing. You know, um, you know if you're a patient looking for for product, you can find us at VedaECN.com. ECN stands for Endocannabinoid Nutrition, and you know I'll commit here on your podcast that if uh, if, if they're seniors, you know, uh, like you mentioned, we'll we'll extend a thirty percent discount, and we'll do that for for veterans as well. Um, and I'll make sure that we get a code up. Um, you know, once, once this is done so that we can, we can make sure that we can capture that and, and, and offer, you know, extend the offered discount. 
Amazing. Um, Love that. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, this is amazing. We got, you know, we got to, we got to work and help each other. Amazing. Thank you so much. How sweet. Um, for those of you guys who are tuning in, make sure that you check out the blog, uh, as well as the show notes and highlights from today's show and interview. All of the social handles and websites will be posted right around this interview. And I just want to say thank you ahead of time for those of you guys who are tuning in and liking and sharing content like this. Because you like and share content like this, we have been able to impact mil- hundreds of millions of people's lives quite literally from around the world and moving the needle forward for global legalization and accessibility. So I'm super grateful to you guys. Make sure that when you like and share that you're tagging five people uh, who you know will receive benefit from being in touch with companies like Veda and the Hemp Revolution. Um, if, if you are a person looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for our favorite picks. And if you're a budding entrepreneur, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for the resources, relationships, tips, and tricks that you need to grow effectively in the industry. And you can also see our other podcast episodes published on either one of those channels. Thank you so, so much, Robert, for being on the show with me today. I'm just like so excited to spend the time with you and celebrate the incredible things that you guys are doing. And, and please uh, consider us an ace in your pocket as you continue to grow and expand. We are here to continue to support and share your guys' story. Thank you so much. And can our products be found on your site too? Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Let's talk about that when we hang up here. There you go. Uh, no, thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and an honor. And thank you for helping us spread the word. Yeah, really absolutely. Congratulations on all your guys' growth. You're doing incredible things for the space. So I'm really honored to be in touch. And uh, you guys, uh, thank you again for spending another incredible hour with us here at the Hemp Revolution. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez. And this is the Hemp Revolution podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.